Hello, welcome Hi. to Staying, Staying in, in with Emily and Kamel. That's Kamel Nanjiani. And this is Emily V. Gordon. Thank you. Uh, we skipped last week's episode because it felt like being respectfully quiet. Uh, was the was the right move? Yep. We also did not. Yeah, we didn't have anything. Other people had helpful things to add to the conversation. Uh, we did not, so we thought we'd take um, a knee in a billion ways. And we week. just didn't honestly didn't have the words. Didn't know <clears throat> what to say. Still, still don't have the words. Still don't have the words. Um, because the world has changed yet again. That's right. The world has changed yet yet again, and I think ultimately <clears throat> a lot of good will come from this. For, and for the most part, I, I think for a lot of people, the world has not changed. What has happened is that the world is catching up. Uh, the world is catching up. The corporate world, as it is catching up to Black Lives Matter as being um, an important, something they need to pay attention to and something that is, should be important to them as well. I mean, it's, it's been <clears throat> one of the positives from this uh, is in the last two weeks, Black Lives Matter, the slogan, has gone from being... Um, I wouldn't say that it was like a marginalized slogan. No. A lot of people had ad- adopted it. But the fact that major corporations are now adopting it, that's a sea change. That's a huge difference. I just read before we started recording, NASCAR, NASCAR. banned Confederate flags. Yeah. Now, you know, all the changes from this, We I don't know what, I don't know if sweeping changes will happen from it in this moment, but what has happened is the conversation has changed and that conversation, the change in conversations uh, and the way we're going to be discussing these things moving forward will hopefully lead to uh, more and more positive changes yeah. time goes Which on. Which I hope, yeah, will trickle down into a lot of things. I think some, some people need to see stuff be super normalized and talked about enough. It's like, I used to say this about songs. If I hear a song on the radio once, I'm like, eh, that kind of sucks. I right. hear it twice. I'm like, oh, it's okay. By the time I hear it the fourth time, it's my favorite song. And I'm hoping that that is the case for a lot of people who are hearing <laughs> but, this. But it's, but it's in the opposite way because what we've realized in the last couple of weeks, again, I, there's no way to not make this somewhat heavy. Um, yeah. <laughs> what, what, what a lot of people who are uh, not white have known, specifically black people, uh, have known is that the experience of... Uh, Experience with the police is very different exactly. than it is f- f- white people to black people to other people of girl, color. Those are all different experiences. Yeah. And what people, I think a lot of white people who did not understand that now understand it in the last couple They've of They've heard the song five times. That is what's happening now is that the, the song has been heard and what they choose to do with it is now that's going to be on us. As, and they've seen the video. Us meaning white people. Yes. They've seen the, I mean. We've, yeah, we've I'm, had a lot of videos. It's interesting it's, that this has been the one. It's, well, no, I mean, I don't mean just that video because, again, there's no going around it. That video is undeniably horrific, right? The video that kicked this off. But then we have all these other videos of the police reacting to protesters in a way that uh, is also unambiguously horrific. Mm -hmm. And so, so I think all those videos have, I think from the beginning, the idea that the police had seemed to have was, oh, we'll quell this protest violently to prove a point. And that backfired because now we have 500 videos of yeah. that. And the cops have largely pulled away from the protests. Uh, and the idea is, that they've and like... they've gotten less violent. They've, they've gotten not violent. Right. <laughs> they've de-escalated police presence. They've gotten mm. rid of the f- tanks. And now the protests are peaceful. What does that say? Yeah. Anyway, um, we should say right off the 
in the beginning, you know, we always said this was going to be a limited series podcast. And so this episode, episode 12, is going to be our final episode. It's going to be the last episode because the point was always, oh, the plan was always to have this be for quarantine. Mm-hmm. And for many different reasons, it's obvious that we're not in that phase anymore for yeah. a couple of reasons. One, um, the conversation has changed co- correctly. And and quarantine is kind of ending. coming to an end. By the way, this doesn't reflect how we feel about quarantine ending or how we feel about like, oh wow, coronavirus, we beat it, so we're going to stop the podcast. We are certainly not. We are saying not that. on the aircraft terminal with the mission accomplished banner behind us. That is not where we are. No, it is just uh, we've gotten. This is just kind of feels like a good natural stopping place. Was going to always be the stopping place. Uh, we were always kind of planning on stopping around this time, but it definitely feels like it's now time to like. Have some other voices be heard. Let's kind of, let's move on from this. And we have heard you guys tell us how much you look forward to hearing us, how we've kind of helped ease your quarantine. We appreciate you all so much. Yes. It's, uh, we think about all of you all the time. Yeah. Like we think about you in a recording. We, we appreciate all the support that everybody has shown us. We appreciate all the support you've shown to um, our sponsors because that is how we've been able to make money for charity. I do not have the exact number, but it, it is in the tens of thousands of sure. We don't know the right. exact number. We don't that know we've the made. exact number. We can figure that out. But um, we've been raising money already so far, which is great. We've raised money for the Restaurant Workers Community Foundation for Feeding America and for the Center for Disaster Philanthropy. Right. I can uh, never say philanthropy. that. Philanthropy. Philanthropy. <laughs> I'll say, you know, it was weird. Uh, as you, you're talking about quarantine ending, um, we went for a walk a couple nights ago. We, we, we go on walks at night we now. We do night walks, yeah. And we walked by <laughs> bars and restaurants by us and they were full. They were full. It was. It People was, were clinking glasses. You were saying it felt like a Twilight Zone moment or something, where like you're walking and suddenly it's a portal into the past. Like people were maskless, yeah. drinking, yeah. smoking outside. We, we thought that we were somehow the ghosts that were haunting our own neighborhood. Right. Because <laughs> we are these masked humans just right. like trampling through the dark. And people were looking at us like we were idiots. Um, I'll say this, uh, you know, we, we, we talk. Uh, and then yesterday we went for a drive just to get out of the house. We walked, we drove like far. We drove to like Beverly Hills and stuff. Mm-hmm. Bar is packed. Just packed. Bar is packed, packed as if it's fine. I'll say this. I, I don't want to. Um, I am personally very scared. I'm very scared of the quarantine ending. I don't know what's changed between then and now, but yeah. obviously we've had enough and we're okay with it. I want to say when you say we, you mean this country. You don't. You're not saying yourself. Make no, sure I'm that saying that's this clear. country. Yeah. And, and I want to say something about you know the protests uh, and uh, this. There are two things. I unreservedly support the protest. This is an essential cause. Like it's happening. I hope it leads to good change. I. We have not gone to protest because we are still very seriously quarantining because of Emily's condition, but we have been donating to those related causes. And we'll talk about ways that you can contribute to Black Lives Matter without going to protest. Right. Every day. But we have not gone to the protests. It would have been nice to have been part of uh, a historic uh, moment like this. That's continuing, by the way. That's continuing. But I also know that the protests will lead to a spike. So there are two different things, and those are not there's no way to reconcile them. Yeah. And that's okay. There's a, a very important, essential movement happening. Mm-hmm. And people are going to get COVID from it. And I know, yes. I can't reconcile those two. It's and hard. hey, I'm just a person. 
I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, it's it's complicated, you know. Uh, a lot of our friends went went to protest and I completely support them, but And then other friends didn't and then a lot of people have written into us saying exactly what you said that they have a hard time reconciling wanting to be supportive, wanting to show strength in numbers, but also kind of wanting to remain safe. I know a lot of people have been uh donating masks, donating donating uh which we've contributed funds for that, donating um Purell donating stuff to keep the protesters safe, right. which I think is wonderful. And I, I, that's kind of the best that we can do here. I, I figured it out. Yeah. Shit is complicated. Shit is complicated. That's the thing. Also, this is the last episode. So it's this pressure to make it oh God. real good. It's, I, this I'm is like, the last one. How are we going to be funny? I don't have any sense <laughs> no, of how we'll to be, be funny. funny. Watch this. <laughs> Give me. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no, it's it's you know it's uh certainly feeling quite exhausted these days. Usually we ask what weird thing made you cry. Everything. I'll name the things that didn't make me cry. Know, it's rare. Um, Just a constant cry. Found a new hot chocolate I like. Yeah, you. And I was talking to a friend the other day about hot chocolate. I was like, guys, get back into hot chocolate because it's oddly comforting. It's kind of nostalgic feeling, even though I never drank hot chocolate as a human. It somehow feels nostalgic. To me, it always feels decadent. Yeah. Like we took chocolate and we melted it. Although, oh, who are we? Kings? Are we Nero? I mean, instead of biting into it, you sip it. Amazing. It's been very hot, though. And like yesterday oh. you were sipping hot chocolate uh, outside, sitting outside, and you were like, can we go in? I'm yeah, sweating. I'm so hot. Uh, 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 everything is fine. I'm having an average of three hot chocolates a day. In over 90 degree weather, sitting outside, I remember... I have this huge mug of hot chocolate, and it's one of those, the, the, the mug is like from a ceramic place in North Carolina, so it doesn't have a handle, you have to cup it. So my hands are super hot, I'm sitting out there, it's sweltering, and I remember the, the feeling of like, somehow when this like, you could feel sweat dripping on your back. Yeah. Oh, I, know I don't that know feeling. where it's dripping from. Nobody wants or to Or where it's dripping. It's coming from your shirt somehow. I don't know how it's happening, but I remember that feeling and being like, just like really into everything but not knowing how to get out of the situation. I read a thing recently, two things. I read a thing about how the actual best way to cool yourself off if you're sweaty, which I sometimes am. Shave your head? Shave your head, is to drink a cold beverage. That somehow that that's faster than putting a like cold can of soda against your neck or whatever. going inside your body. And then I got an infusion yesterday and my nurse said... Um, she was like, do you want a blanket? And I was like, I think I'm okay. She's like, oh, you're going to want a blanket because this is really cold. So it is, it's going to make you cold. Whoa. And I'd never thought about the fact that the if there's a cold medication going into my veins, that that will make me cold. But yeah. I am always cold when I get an infusion. And so, duh. I didn't never know thought that. about that. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> so that's a little tip. Well, listen, if you're feeling really hot, go get an infusion of cold liquid <laughs> antibodies. Whatever it is. Whatever you Whatever you need. It doesn't matter what it is as long as it's cold. It kind of matters, I guess. You don't want a ton of weird shit going into you. You don't but, want bad stuff. But um, but I thought maybe at the beginning, since this is our last episode, uh, uh, we love you all very much. Some of you are going to be mad at us, and I get that. Don't be mad at I us. Also, it's like we don't have anything more to say. <laughs> we have, yeah, I mean, as, as people, we have, I would hope, a lot more to say. And, uh, but when it comes to discussing how we're all living in the quarantine, how we're keeping ourselves safe in the quarantine, we have moved on to whatever the next phase is as a people, not you and I, unfortunately. Uh, no, we're going to, we're going to continue to quarantine and I so, live in constant fear that we'll be back in lockdown in a month. Sure. So that's why we feel like we don't. And, and those of you that said, just keep talking about whatever it is, that's, that's lovely. And we, we, we. 
totally, totally hear that. But I, I, this is just kind of where we are at this point is that we wanted to do this podcast to help keep people company during a difficult time. And now we're moving into a different difficult time. Um, and we're not the best qualified for this. Yeah. So I wanted to recommend a couple of places. I, I will say that. real quick on that. Some people are going to continue to quarantine. Some people will not have the luxury of being able to do that. Just be safe the best you can. Just be do safe. Do the best you can. Do the best you can. Um, there's... People had asked about like what what do you do if you can't go to protests and and like but you still kind of want to participate. Obviously, donation of money to great causes. And I'm not going to name everything. So many people have done a a much better job of compiling these things. Google them, please. Um, find places to donate. Whatever I uh, I like really focusing on mental health uh, when it especially when it comes to the black community when it comes to this and just in general. Um, so I've been kind of focusing on that quite a bit. Uh, but find a thing. Find a find. Find a place that needs your money if you have money to donate. Yeah. And I will say if you don't have – Emily's going to go through specific yeah. – If you don't have money to donate and you are <clears throat> unable to or choose not to go to the protest for, for whatever reason that I completely support, like we didn't go, just support it in your heart. Right. But that means there's more than that. It's more than supporting it in your heart. You actually, I think, do – we do need – especially white people, I will say. This is Talk completely on us. This is not a, a, a problem for black people to solve. This is a problem for white people to help figure out and and fix. This is – obviously, we all kind of need to work together. But So here's a couple of things. Um, I just – I will say there's a person, uh, Dr. Joe – okay, I'm going to spell it because – Joey? Nope. Joey Otang is the is the Dr. Joey Otang is the gentleman's name and his handle is on Instagram D R J O T as in Tom E N G I I again D R J O T E N G I I and um he is a professor who's been doing he's got a lot of great just infographics a lot of great information he's a very good resource what for kind of counteracting internalized racism steps of allyship anti-racism interventions uh just a kind of a good overall i've, I've gotten a lot out of uh that follow um there's a, a young woman that we have worked with uh her name is darby rose she's a filmmaker all-around wonderful human being she's at darbleezy d-a-r-b-l-e-e-z-y um, and she had a thing of like, make a list of your support items and your privileges. And then here, like make a list of your ideas for in real life and digital activism. And I thought that was a good point that we all have our own privileges that we can bring to this fight. And we all have our own support items we can bring to this fight. For some, it's money. For some, it's being loud. For some, it's being funny. Um, our friend Yasser Lester <laughs> has been doing a thing where he got all of uh, he I think it was called fedoras for Black Lives Matter. I can't remember the exact hashtag, but he got all these people to send in photos of themselves wearing fedoras, uh, white people specifically to support Black, Black Lives Matter. And then for every single one that uh, sent in a photo, he put a dollar amount and then donated that amount. What a great idea. It's a way to be funny, a way to be weird, which Yasser is both, and also a way to make money and raise money, which is great. So if you're funny, that's a privilege that you have. A privilege. That's a uh, support item you have. If you are good at talking to people, that's a support item you have. And then you can come up with your own ways of in real life or digitally helping to raise awareness. Um, podcasts I can recommend. Code Switch. Uh, it's an NPR podcast. Massively popular. Yeah. Uh, what a Day from Crooked Media. Um, Keep It from Crooked Media and Still Processing from New York Times. These are just a few. There are tons of podcasts out there, but these are all wonderful places you can take the love you have for us and move it on. Um, car caravans. A friend of mine recently participated in a car caravan rather than a protest that was all in cars. 
Um, if we can do it for people's birthdays on their damn front lawn, we can do it for Black Lives Matter. It's also a very, very safe uh, coronavirus way, safe way to protest. Also, let's talk to the people. If you're white, let's talk to the people in your family. Uh, it's uncomfortable. That's a hard thing for people to do. But it's very important because for those of us who kind of live online or on Twitter, we see a bunch of conversation Whereas your parents, your grandparents, your aunts or uncles may be only getting a headline here or there and are like, oh, they want to take away the police force. And I think it's up to us, younger people who are plugged in, uh, to have conversations with them about their relationships with the police, perhaps, about their relationships with black people, about right. w just their relationship to racism in general. Um, and I think it's important to kind of, when you are talking to your family, and this may sound like odd advice, talk to them like they were strangers. I think sometimes when we talk to our families, we assume the worst. <laughs> right. Hi, mom. I'm Kamel. Listen, <laughs> defund the police doesn't mean what you think it means. <laughs> but I do think it's such an, it's interesting. I think that we, sometimes we forget that the older people in our families are completely rational, for the most part, human beings that have, are grownups and have made it to adulthood, uh, Whatever their thought processes are. Yeah, making it to adulthood ain't such a... <laughs> but I do ain't think, a whole achievement. I think sometimes we talk to people in our families like they're stupid. Right. And I think that uh, they may be wrong, they may be misguided, they may be racist, um, but that doesn't mean that their cognitive abilities are impaired. Right. I mean, you could argue. Well, you're very <laughs> good at relating to people who may disagree with you on something that most would consider like a just like a fundamental difference. Right. I just know, and I, this is unrelated to racism, but I was talking to my family, my parents, uh, two days ago, and they were talking about how they had uh, gone to a, they had done something in public, but they were very safe about it. And I was like, thank you so much for being safe. Thank you. And then I realized how annoying it is to me when you, Kumail, thank me for being safe with my own health. <laughs> oh. Because I'm always like, yeah, I'm not doing it for you. I'm I, I'm safe with my health because it's my job to be safe with my health. And then I realized I'm doing that exact same thing to my parents. Oh, okay. So the point of this story <laughs> is you're just as shitty to your parents as I am <laughs> shitty to you. It is, that's my. I. It was my time realizing. Like, oh, that isn't shitty because my. It was completely genuine emotion for me. Oh. Of like, <laughs> oh, okay. It took twelve episodes, but here we are. <laughs> This is the best 12 episode apology podcast that anyone's ever made for me. I never have said I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> and I still do not. Uh, but I will. It was such a it was an oddly eye opening thing of like, we are so good at rationalizing to ourselves why we're doing what we're doing right. and why we feel the way that we are, that we forget that everybody has gone through that process. Everybody rationalizes why they're doing what they're doing, where they are, why it's OK to do this, why it's OK to do that. And just understand. I guess understand that. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't I have know. anything beyond it's, that. It's hard because sometimes for me, it's very hard to have a conversation with someone who disagrees on something that I consider to be fundamentally good. Mm -hmm. um, but then I look back in my past and my feelings on things have changed, you know? We've, I, we've done nothing but fuck up on a regular basis. Both you and I, I, I know I personally have messed up in so many big ways. Yeah. And I think that's been the other thing that I've been trying to stress to the white people in my life is... If you have messed up, which we all have, be embarrassed. Don't put that embarrassment on anybody else, like other than yourself. Don't take it to them and ask them to wish it away for right. you. Sit with it, deal with it, and then keep moving. 
I think people spend too much trying, time trying to justify some behavior that they can't actually, they don't, don't even actually want to justify. I think saying sorry or I've changed my mind yeah. is, it's literally apologizing is the easiest thing in the world. So I don't know why you don't but do it. But it's not, I think it's not for some, some people. I think it isn't. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're right. But you have to sort of let go of that part there's of yourself. There's a bit of I ego, think. I think, involved. And I think of it, there needs to be a bit of an ego death for a lot of, a lot of white people in this point in time of if you weren't aware of this, right. okay, who move on, keep moving. Like don't get stuck in the part where you're trying to make what you, what happened okay what will you do now? This right. is just the beginning. What will you do now? Because otherwise you're still making it about yourself. Right. Which is the opposite of what any of us need to be doing at this point in time. Right. So I, I just challenge people like be, be that, be embarrassed if you need to, and then keep moving because that's what we all need to be doing. We can't get stuck. We can't get stuck in any of these phases. Um, yeah. Hi. What do you, what's the look you're giving me? Uh, nothing. You nothing. I mean, cute. it's all, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big time right now, you it's know? It's a big time. It's a big time. Um, if you go to my Instagram, I also made a, a lot of book recommendations of books uh, that I have read that have been very uh, useful to me. And uh, as well as places online, you can buy those books that aren't um, Amazon.com that are black owned bookstores, which is great that have online shops. But also, as someone pointed out, don't just read the books that are like, about struggle and about how the legal system is awful. There's so much great literature out there as well. There's fun, happy books. Uh, there's so much, there's just a lot you can read. Um, so yeah, I've made a lot of recommendations yeah. on my Instagram. I'm just not going to repeat them here because right. we've, I've, I've certainly them. had, as you, you, you just brought something up real quick. Are you, is there, is there, no, that, that's, I, I, I was talking about like my last couple of weeks, I've certainly been, I've had a lot of trouble sleeping. Me too. And I've certainly had, you know, there were like a couple days on Twitter where everything you saw was, all the videos you saw were horrific, top to bottom, top to bottom, horrific. And I sometimes had to pull back from it. Um, and then I feel guilty not looking at the things that uh, are sort of important to look at. But then a part of me is also like, well, I've sort of seen what I need to see. Yeah, what that's the what other will thing. I get out of what it? more evidence do we need that this system is fucked? <laughs> right. What more like we we actually don't need more evidence and and at a certain point it it becomes kind of grotesque to keep parading it around. Uh it, it, to me personally. But the but the, but the I I, the, I think for the people who haven't seen it, I, yes, I agree. Right. Yeah. I know the totality of it has been so shocking and it's awoken a lot of people. I think that mm -hmm. like I already felt a certain way going into this. Listen, I grew up in Pakistan, right? And we, and every, I grew up watching Bollywood movies. In every Indian movie, cops are the bad guys. That's right. In every Pakistani movie, <laughs> cops are the bad guys. If there's a good cop, he's like fighting against a system of bad cops, right? Yeah. But there is usually a good cop. That's right. But, but not always. Yeah. A lot of times the cops are bad guys. Yeah. That's the coding. Because in Pakistan, cops are bad, like truly, truly bad. We, I was just talking to, so I have this like big chain with a bunch of my high school friends, uh, all From Pakistani Karachi. people mm -hmm. who are like live all over the world now. Um, and we were talking about the one time I remember it was me and three of my friends who were all on the text chain. These cops stopped us, pulled us out and just put us in their van. And they're like, they say things like, um, you know, in hospitality in Pakistan, you say, you want chai pani? That means like, do you want tea, water? That's like a phrase you say. Mm -hmm. When the cops say it, that means torture. And what? Yeah. yeah like, I, I, we'll give you some chai pani. Yeah. What? So it's like the opposite. They, um, they also had, 
there were all these exposés on torture by police, like awful, awful stuff that we had read. And I remember sitting in the back of that van with my friends and being like, oh, that's scary. All of us, my dad's a doctor, all of us, and we were all from well-to-do families. So right. we had that privilege. Had n- memorized names of like police chiefs around the city. If you ever get in trouble with the police, this is the name you say to like get oh. out of it. We all had that, You right? were told that by your parents. My parents, my friend. So so like I remember sitting there and then my friend who's still on the text chain like said the name of one of the guys and the guy was like just sort of talked and then let us out. But it's very scary. So I grew up completely, completely. I had a specific relationship with police, Mm -hmm. a specific way when I see police in, in costume, uniform, right? So for me seeing those videos, it was shattering, but it wasn't necessarily... It wasn't like a seismic shift in right. my head. Right. So at some point, I just had to be like, I can't, I can't watch these anymore. And some of those videos, when you watch them, you're like, oh, I'm just never going to forget that. Right. And and it's a tough thing. Yeah. It's a tough thing. Um. I I and similar. I <sighs> just having worked with teenagers as a therapist, that was my first and some experiences I had when I was a teenager, having witnessed events but not experienced them firsthand. Uh. That, that's definitely something I, I had when I was a teenager. And then right. as an adult working with teenagers, um, it was, it, 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 that was kind of my awakening, I would say. So, um, anyway. should we take a break and then come back <laughs> and, and go into the some other stuff. Mo- most of the normal podcast? Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Um, we'll be right back uh, in just a moment with more staying in with Emily and Kamal. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. And we're back. And okay, we're back. Okay, so so now would we... Here's the would, thing. And one thing I kind of wanted to leave, I think one positive thing, and now I'm just going to kind of talk about the pandemic a little bit. We're going to go like <laughs> talk about the pandemic a bit. One oddly positive thing that I have gotten out of the pandemic is kind of a refocusing on the importance of ritual, which is a big... Um, has always been important to me and I've kind of written about it some as being an important thing, but I had never really um, focused on it as much in my own life, maybe as I should. And, you know, when you think of ritual, that's church, church's ritual, like going and doing, saying the prayers and doing the, all that stuff. But we all need ritual, whether or not you have religion in your life, we all need ritual in our lives. And um, I think this pandemic has kind of been for me a little bit of the church of the everyday, of kind of getting back into and appreciating and getting comfort from the rituals of what life right. is it, now. It's it's sort of uh, identifying the things that give you energy, that give you peace of mind, whatever it is that yep. make you feel like you're doing something, whatever it is. It's really forced us to articulate those to ourselves. Yes, and both then, out of necessity and out of comfort. Right. Yeah. And then and then mm-hmm. repeat them or 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 use them as tools. Yes. To just get through each day. And then understanding that they they also need to be changed. Because I, I think what, right, what this sure. entire fucking year has taught <laughs> us as people is things are 
things will change. And that's not something to be afraid of or something to be like, oh, tis, tis, so I want it to go back to the way it was. No, things are always going to change. And this thing of like, oh, I want to go back to how things were. What the fuck was that? When? What? What Was there a five second period where you felt okay? Go fuck yourself. When you felt okay, these other people didn't feel okay. So the idea that things need to go back to how they were, A, it's impossible. And B, I don't think it's a, I don't think that that is a, something we should be holding up as what we want to do. We need to be okay with change. And I think what this year has been is change. Right. So your advice as a therapist is yeah. go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's uh, the takeaway. I use that quite casually. And then I, sometimes people are... You say it to me all the time. And there's I've a couple times where I'm like, hey, I'm so don't sorry. do that. I you never, say go fuck yourself a lot. I say it as just like, a, get out of here. Yeah, but it, here's different things to... It it, usually it's You're fine right. to me, but sometimes, you know, especially right now, I hear you say go fuck yourself to me. And I'm like, don't talk to me like that. You're absolutely right. It, it what is, if it's our first day? Would you say that to me? Maybe very playfully. Don't be. And I'd do it with a little grin. Well, when you do it, you you don't ever say it seriously. No. But sometimes it just does it can feel, feel aggressive. You're completely right. And I Especially, can be a little aggressive. Right. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a reason you say it. You're the uh, smiling assassin. <laughs> no, I just. Yeah. No. I do say it very casually, but you're absolutely right. It's something I need to. I've been trying to work on. But my advice as a therapist is. Create rituals for yourselves, create rituals with the people you love, create rituals to keep yourself healthy, and then understand that those rituals can never be, stay the same for the rest of your yeah, lives. Yeah, keep examining them. And sometimes you don't, like, I, we, we talked about this work when I was talking it. about my working yeah. out, where I was like, oh, it's not giving me what it used to give me. Um, it, just that weight of expectation on it was too heavy. So now, finding different things, like yesterday morning, um, we're in a stage of our work where we're sort of waiting for people to, like, give us notes on stuff. I watched a very, very heady sci-fi movie at 9 a.m. I came home from my infusion and you were like in it. I was in a <laughs> a ponderous, uh, thoughtful, vague Russian science fiction movie from the 70s. All I could hear was people speaking Russian and I was like, this is intense. I had to leave the room. Two hours, 40 minutes. And you said of, it didn't feel like it. We it did And we can talk about that movie. Should we? Okay, should we? I was going to say one thing Please. real quick that I noticed as you were driving yesterday that sort of got to me. So we've been quarantining since like March and now we're going to continue. But obviously the world has decided that the problem is over. Um, <laughs> no judgment in that statement. <laughs> well, it just feels weird to me because yeah. I'll, I'll and people will disagree with me and that's fine. I just don't see what has changed other than that we got bored. It would be lovely if we had um, some guidance from on high of... Go forth in public, but do it carefully. And here's what careful means. Wouldn't that be lovely? We have gotten none of it. Right. How yeah. to minimize the risks, right? How to m mitigate the risk. And again, I will say with the protests, those are a worthy cause. Yeah. Going to a bar and getting drunk with your friends is not you a worthy cause. So yeah. I judge one group of people and one group of people I do not judge. And that's you. the double standard that is my life. Welcome to and it. Again, yeah, that's part of how it's complicated. Right. Yeah. I mean... If you look at sort of the risk-reward math, right? The risk-reward math on being part of an incredible, historic, essential movement that will have repercussions, hopefully, that... Positive, uh, rep yeah. Positive repercussions yeah. that we will hopefully uh, feel for the rest <clears throat> of Earth versus going to get a haircut. Yeah. To me... The risk-reward math on that it's is... It's hard to justify. It's, it's, it's way off. That's I, how I feel. I will also say very briefly, Chris Redd, uh, who is on SNL, has started a... All right. I, if I'm Can I take my shirt off? Camilla's is that okay? going to take his shirt off. He it's is, just very hot. 
I'm sorry. You're damn right you are. It's so hard to focus. Okay. Chris Red uh, has started a COVID uh, fund specifically for protesters who none of whom have, I mean, nobody's gotten sick yet, but he's kind of anticipating and obviously it will just go to a good cause otherwise. So check out Chris Red. I think he's at Chris Red. Chris Red Red is, I think. R-E-D-D. Just look him up. uh, I noticed as we were driving yesterday on our thing, I saw an HBO billboard for uh, the huge bad education. Yes. And you were like, we saw that in court. I said, we saw that yeah. in quarantine. That wasn't even, that was like April. Yeah. And it feels so long ago. And I was like, if it was normal times, would it have felt as long ago as it is now? Or would it have felt, oh, we saw that a couple of weeks ago, but really it was a couple of months ago. God, I have no What idea. is going on? Time is weird. Time, I mean, time so, is, I think that's the name of one of our episodes. Yeah. Or, or it was like time was cool or time something. Time was cool. Something like um, that. Yeah, it's it's a but, it's but time weird. hasn't picked a lane is the problem. Yeah. It continues. It's not like okay, now this is how time moves and welcome to it. Like today, so I have my you know my my weekly game on on yes, Wednesdays, Gears of War. So I texted today, and people were like, "Oh my god, it's already Wednesday!" All Wednesday. of us had that reaction, including myself. For me, it's been a slow, agonizingly slow week. So it's interesting. I kind of. And this is where I cleave to my rituals to kind of help me be like, okay, this is how I know this part of the day is done. And then I do this and then I do this. And that's when the day is done. I'm having, and I was very antsy and kind of anxious and, and a little miserable yesterday specifically. Cause I, I couldn't, yeah. I just was like, I don't know. I don't know what the end is. I don't know what the, I don't know where it is. I think, I think for, for any of this, for you and me, for you and me, <laughs> we said that we would revisit this conversation in a couple of weeks. We talked about this where you were like, all right, so the world is opening up. How do we handle it? And I said, let's have this conversation in two weeks when there's some more Camille's clarity. Like, I've been building a lovely pit in the backyard for you yeah. to live in. You go in there. <laughs> I'm going to lower in like lotion for you. <laughs> and and so I'll get the hose sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if you yeah, exactly. Um it's for my own good. <laughs> it's for your own good. It is. Um I mean it truly is. Anyway, uh it's um well, I, in a couple weeks we will revisit and talk about it. I, I just don't I just feel very uneasy with the cavalier yeah. way in which the world has opened up. Now, hopefully I'm wrong. I would love nothing more than to be wrong about this. Yeah. You know how much I love being right. Mm. I. <laughs> Sorry. It's a combination of the shirt off. Guys, Camilla's got his shirt all the way off and is telling me how much he likes to be right. It's hard to know. What I'm to just do. saying. I'm admitting it. I'm being vulnerable. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah, yeah don't are. attack me for it. Was that an attack? Yes. How? I'm just saying it really gets me going. The smiling assassin. Uh, it's, um, we, I would love to be wrong. Listen, I would love for life to come back. How great would that be? I miss, I miss so many things. I miss so many things. But yeah. I think, um, and we're going to we'll maybe see. have some very experimental, maybe a, a couple people. We'll talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> In an outside situation. Yeah, we'll so talk we- about it. <laughs> I was asked to do a work meeting um, with in person, in person, uh, and they said everybody said if you were not comfortable doing it in person, we could do it over Zoom. And I was so grateful that they said that because I was like, I, I don't want to seem like I'm not, you know, a hard worker w- wanting to be there, blah blah blah. But I was like, I at this point, I would I would feel so anxious about the in person part yeah, of it. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, um, it's not important. So I got fired. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, so we have. Uh, what should we go to? Uh, we have watched here's, a ton of stuff. Here's the thing that. I, Let's see if this blows your mind. Okay. Okay, so I was just sitting there thinking. We were, No, we were watching something. We were watching she, a, a documentary. Docu- is it about the fjords of Norway? I think we were watching a documentary about the fjords of Norway called... 
Fjords, the fjords of, of Norway. Norway. <laughs> Listen, sometimes a perfect name just falls into your lap. Why mess with perfection? Sometimes, uh, sometimes we just like watching nature because we don't we know watch, what to do with our lives. Yeah, we want. That's true. We want. Well, we've always liked nature documentaries, yeah. but we watch like beautiful vista documentaries now because it ain't happening in our lives. It ain't happening. So, um, and I just started wondering. When I saw a fish on screen. Well, they talked about it. They, no, they didn't. I They didn't mention it. I just looked it up. Okay. I There was something about herring, and I don't know why. It was about herring. It was about a herring, and I was like, how long does a herring live? Yeah. Hey, everybody. Here's a little newsflash. Herring live 12 years. It blew your mind. You were like, that's awful. You have to be a herring for 12 years? You thought it was so like funny. A hell. A, a, such a hell to me. And listen, this is me. 12 being, years is so long. This is me being anti-pescatarian or whatever. But I always kind of put fish on the same level as insects where like a, a housefly lives for three days. I thought for sure you could eat a fish that has been alive longer, like could have like, like when friends was still on had, TV. Yes, exactly. Had lost its baby teeth and got its grown up teeth. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. Like, so it's 12 Maybe years. Maybe started menstruating. Maybe. I mean, before like <laughs> Iron Man came out. I there was a fish that has been has been alive for all twenty six MCU movies or whatever. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't know what to do with that. I, it, it's just odd to think. And they, a lot of times, I think herring they they travel upstream. They have to go like a far distance to mate and lay eggs. And my what I thought was, they spend their lives going upstream. They go upstream. They lay the eggs. The eggs are fertilized. Big fuck party. They're, big, they're done. big fish fuck party. Big, big fish fuck party. <laughs> and then they die. No, no, they, they are have to alive. Do it again the next They're year. They're like, oh my god, it's coming around again. Because you know, I've lived like, to be twelve should, years old. I should go to the gym. They probably are thinking, oh, like, I gotta get in shape. What am for I doing? I feel like season. I'm always stuck doing the same thing. Do you look at the feeling you're just swimming around in circles? Which is what all of us are doing. It's so long. It's bizarre. And and what's funny is I've brought this fact up to a couple of people, strangers and friends, and some people are like. Okay, cool. And then I was in a, a Zoom general with someone, uh, with a, a young a woman, uh, and I mentioned it to this Zoom meeting because this is where meetings are at this yeah. point in time. And she lost her mind. And I was so happy to have someone else. She was like, I just can't stop thinking of the implications. And I was like, me either. This is a lot of information it's a lot. to take in. So I, I thought, mean, I'm trying to think of what happened in 2008 <laughs> that like, that like, uh, here, I'm trying to look up. We, um. Oh, you remember the Elliot Spitzer stuff? That was. The, so someone, there was, there's a herring out there that was born when Elliot Spritzer stuff was happening that is still alive today. It's like I got one more trip left in me. Uh, getting too old for this shit. <laughs> what a creepy... I always feel like I'm swimming upstream. What a bonkers... So I said that I am... I think I'm, I'm very good at guessing how what the average lifespan of animals is. So let's quiz we me. We thought, yeah. I feel like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm good at this. Okay, let's start Because when you were mm-hmm. blown away by the herring being 12, I was like, oh, again, because oh, I'm always like, right. I get it. No, I wouldn't have been able to guess, but I'm like, that feels right. I know fish live longer than we think because goldfish you know live longer. Goldfish that, live. Which is a very good point. I mean, there's like whales and stuff that live to be like over a hundred years. So, and I know they're not fish, they're mammals, but I'm saying like water shit, all, all bets are off. Water shit, all bets are off because... It's true. Water, water stuff. It's like all how a, bets are a off. cut in your mouth will heal faster. That's right. Because it's wet. Because wet. 
Right, exactly. So they're like constantly being repaired whenever. When you see like a shark or something and you see just like it's got claw marks all over its body. That's a cool thing. You're like, you've been around for hundreds of years. when you see a manatee that has like propeller stuff on it. Oh. Yeah, that's Bringing it back good. down, Emily. Get into it. Well <laughs> done. We worked so hard to we get out so of this. We worked so hard. Um, also, my um, cousin, whose parents, my aunt and uncle, listened to this podcast. Hello. Um, my cousin got a frog when she was like four or five. <laughs> she is now a full-grown adult woman out of college. Uh, that frog is still alive. See, that's what I mean. Yeah. Water stuff, all bets are off. Water stuff, all bets are off. Okay, so let's start with something. Yeah, yeah, give it to me. Let's start with squirrels. How long oh, does this no, I don't... Uh, I'll guess squirrels, I'll guess six years. Squirrels live 10 years. <laughs> I would say six is in the ballpark. This is a bonkers thing to look at. Okay, um, how long does a giraffe live? Giraffe probably lives like 16 years. A 30-year-old 30 giraffe. years? 30 years. Wow. Let's go with um, a halibut. Oh, a halibut. I mean, that's the same as... Uh, it's not. Guess oh, which direction? 40 years. Around that, 38. Around okay, 38 years. nailed it. A halibut. I've eaten a lot of halibut. Yeah, you've eaten middle-aged fish, <laughs> my dear. <laughs> ah! Okay, um, how long does a mouse live? Oh. I know uh, this. A m- mouse <clears throat> is probably four years? Yeah, that's about right. That's right? Yeah. See, I'm good at this. Keep going. I'm good. Let's um, go for some land animals. Okay. Or like, yeah. Kangaroo. Ones we know. Kangaroo, I would guess, live 12 years. 20. Okay. How about, um, you want to go with a fox? Fox is like a dog, so that's like 15? Eight. That was a good oh. good rationale, but no. Absolutely not. Um, a wolf? I mean, that's the same as a fox it's to absolutely. me. How dare you? Okay, 15. That's about right. Yeah, about 15. Um, how long does a bear live? Okay, so bears hibernate, so they gotta live longer. So that's I would like a say. leap day, a leap year. That they yeah, do. yeah. Are we counting hibernation as a living, or do you is think that, that they do? How there, there we... are probably some bear that are like, oh, actually, I'm only 24. Yeah. <laughs> how is it? Oh, it's my birthday year. How long is it that? How is it that we've had two hibernating bear conversations? Oh, yeah, that's. Podcast? I mean, okay, okay, I'm okay, fascinated, okay. and I. By the way, it might be a result of what's happening in the world that we're like, wouldn't it be great? I'll tell you what a bear <laughs> looks like to me. A bear to me looks like a human and a dog together. So like cute. a big human dog. Sometimes you'll see videos of, pa- of panda bears and you're like, that's definitely a person in a suit. Humans live to be, let's say, 70. Dogs live to be, let's say, 15. So that'll be in the middle. So I'll say like 32. Close, like around 36 years. Hey, I take that as a win. <laughs> give me more. Give me more. Okay. Um, how long? Like like uh, animals, we like common animals, not like weird. Well, it doesn't have like how long fish. does a, a camel live? I said common animals. Oh, okay, Very fine. racist that you would ask oh, me that. Oh, Lord. Here we go. I would say a camel lives 24 years. A camel lives about 43 years. Okay. Um, a moose. And by the way, if those of you who No, no, are, no. Common animals like cows and that kind on, of stuff. want to write in and be like, you're wrong, actually. I'm looking at a infographic. I did not make this information up and I did not source it. So please I think, hold I don't your think letters. anybody's thinking that you're making this up. What if I was, though? <laughs> You would How be long does a cat live? A total. 175 years. Maniac. Yeah. Um, cattle. Okay, let's go with cattle. Like cows? Mm-hmm. I would say cows live probably 22 years. They can vote 18 years and then they die. That's very close. I'll that take 22. Do we, um, a horse. How long does a horse live? Horses. Okay, that's good. <clears throat> that's an interesting one because we have them as pets and people have movies where like little 
kids become grown-ups with them, like Seabiscuit and stuff. I'm <laughs> that thinking, is not what happens in Seabiscuit. <laughs> no, but I mean... Yeah, but there is, um, there are several of those, yeah. I'm going to say horses live 32 years. Horses live about 28 years. Hey, I'll take that as a win. You're wow. taking a lot of wins these honey, days. <laughs> honey, 38 to 22 is the same. How about a baboon? Okay, so they're like humans, so they probably live in their 40s? About this is like between thirty and thirty-five. It says, you know, what's not on here are pigs. I'm curious how long pigs, pigs live. Long pigs live long. Pigs live long. Um, you're pretty good at this. I would okay. say. Okay, all Let right. Let me look at pig lifespan, and then we'll stop there. Okay. Um, I'm gonna guess pigs live like. There's also big pigs or little pigs. Are we talking big pig, little pig? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. Uh, pigs live long, like into their fifties. 15 to 20 years is what this says. Wow. Yeah. Pigs are the closest to us. Uh, That's why I was going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're pretty yeah. close to us. Um, we watched a lot of stuff. Should we talk about some of the yeah, stuff we watched? We watched the Fjords of Norway. Then we watched the the Beatles movie that we had talked about with Edgar on here, A Hard, Hard Day's, Day's Night. Night. Okay, so tell me your. This is the background. I know much more about the Beatles than you do. Not, I am by no means a. Beetle I, did, man. I, knew, I knew nothing. I don't have Beatlemania Beatles. at yeah. all. But you had, you have, you have sort of been anti-Beatles. I've gotten into arguments with people that, and I have yelled at a party. The Beatles don't need you to defend them. Right, uh, <laughs> which is true and also hilarious because you know nothing about the Beatles. I named like five huge Beatles songs, and you had never heard of them. But I also was just like, yeah, the literally maybe the largest band in the world right. does not need I, anyone I to defend them. I understand that, but it's the same thing that you have with Monty Python in that people have oh. said they love it to you, and so you're like, fuck off, I don't want it. <laughs> So tell me your thoughts of the Beatles and how it was watching the movie and how your thoughts of the Beatles I just changed. didn't have any real opinion, <laughs> although I always thought... But no, in your I, head, Beatles was something. I saw John Lennon as being like, kind of like a, a doofy hippie. Yes. Uh, and I saw, I didn't, I the re- and then it was like, and there's the rest. I have no, I had no, but the only but person I worked w- out a personality for at all was John Lennon. But and, if, and if you had to pick Paul McCartney, I think you would have thought that he was a clean cut Got yeah, it. I kind of that's what I thought of all of them. I was right. like, they're oh, they're like, just clean cut like dudes, like they're fine. This movie's f- weird. It is weird and it also showed me first off they're pretty pervy these dudes. Yeah, they're, they're all like pervy. the whole the whole time especially John Lennon. John Lennon is like kind of a mac. Like he's yeah. like macking on every woman he sees yeah. and he's a lot edgier and listen, there's people out there who are John Lennon fans who were like, yeah, bitch, we know. I didn't know. So he's fun. He's like fun and he's like spikier. I kind of thought right. he was just like a gentle hippie type. No, but he's they're much all spikier. They're all really funny in this movie. And Ringo's like the loot in that movie. He's, he's like a loser. He's great, <laughs> he's but he's really funny. funny. Yeah. He's sort of the Ringo of the like, group. Like if he like set something down it will fall off a table like that's his whole character but what's what's interesting is that i knew that you didn't know because i've seen help and i've listened to Mm -hmm. a lot of the weird songs that are just about like some guy murdering people with a hammer sung to the tune of a nursery right (laughs) um i knew that they're like super super weird and i should have known that from yellow submarine and yellow submarine um but to you they were this clean-cut band and suddenly there's this movie that is like full of weird jokes yeah like super bizarre surreal um alt humor yeah truly reminded me of the monkeys which that makes sense given that they're yeah beatles totally stole their shit yeah. from the monkeys <laughs> that's um, how i believe it so now how do you think differently of them i think uh, clearly they were a bit edgier than i thought and then i i, I find that quite fascinating uh i find their they hair- were weird yeah 
Yeah, I find their haircuts fascinating. It's very interesting. And this was in their clean-cut phase. They weren't like... Between this and Yellow Submarine, Sgt. Pepper's, they sort of became the weird psychedelic thing. Yes. And because I was... I am more of a Monkees fan. I'm a huge Monkees fan. That's also what happened to the Monkees. The first season of their show, there were all these like clean-cut, like G-Wiz guys. And then they came back the next year and they had like long hair and they were like wearing dashinkis and doing all this stuff. And you're like, everybody, like every celebrity apparently back then just was like... We're going to take acid and then we're going to come back and talk to you guys and later. And then watch out because my personality personality going to be different. Can you, um, um, what was the word? Personality. <laughs> it makes me laugh so hard when people think that. Uh, I have not been sleeping well. I know. Um, let's uh, while we're on the subject of music we got hbo max which is basically <clears throat> like warner brothers version of it's not a good name but it's all hbo stuff but more than that it's a ton of their movies it's all the dc movies and stuff mm-hmm. we were that night we were like let's watch some music documentary because you know we're we have a ton of time we watched we wanted to watch a musical performance we watched a documentary called monterey pop festival which from is 1967 from 1967 or 8 i honestly can't remember and how how good is that thing? It's not even music that I love or know super well, but it just, it's tremendous to watch. Uh, just, it, it's just full of really, really good performances. There's an amazing uh, Janis Joplin performance when she was with, what, the Big Brother? I forget the name of the band. This is before Janis Joplin was Janis <laughs> Joplin. And I knew Janis Joplin like sings like a bat out of hell. She's a banshee. Like if yeah. you see her perform, you're like, she died when she was 27. Yeah. We, and we. So did Kurt Cobain. Yeah. She was 27 when she died. I've seen performances of her. I'm like, or she was a force of nature. So I knew that she was like an amazing performer. Mm. And this is before, in this one, it's before she's famous. We looked it up. She's 24 here. So between Monterey Pop Festival and her death just three years later is the entire career of Janice that we know. That's right. So she, you told me this, she performed and they were, they weren't going to record her. That's what, yeah. So for this, the Monterey Pop Festival, she was on the bill, but they weren't going to include her as part of the documentary, which by the way, the documentary was going to be released on ABC, the network as a television program. But ABC was like, we're not, this is too counterculture. We're not taking it. So they released it as a movie and it did very well. Um, They weren't going to record Big Brother and the Heavy. I don't remember what her, yeah. They weren't going to record them at all, but they did, they kicked so much ass the first day it was a three-day festival the first day they performed that they were like can you please come back and and do perform again and this time we'll film it and so what you're watching is the second performance what is the band called uh big brother and the holding company big brother and the heavy is what i said you 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 had it right but there's a scene in it that we watched and rewound a hundred times because (laughs) this is a crowd full of people they've never heard of janice joplin they don't know about big brother and the holding company Mm. it's interesting to see because you see who performs at night and who performs during the day as people who've been to music festivals night is the headliners the day is the smaller act these guys are performing in the day and they zoom in on a woman as janice is going insane on stage beautiful performance Cuts to a woman and her jaw is just open and she's watching something that she's like, it is changing her life. She's having like a religious experience. It's such it's, a, She goes from not knowing who this band is and not caring. Like being blown away. In your in this is a gift. front of you. Yeah. This is a gift. And then at the end, they go to her again and she's just like, she's just like clapping. Like At the end of it, she starts, she gets, she, she mouths the word wow. And then yeah. she turns to the person next to her and is like, that was really great. Yeah. It's just like you could see somebody seeing, seeing like 
their favorite thing happened. Yeah. That was definitely one of the things that made me cry this I mean, week. you're a little bit tearing up right yeah. now. It's, it's beautiful to watch. Yeah. Their reaction is so good and the performance is so good. Monterey Pop Festival, if you need a night where you're like, I don't want to use my brain, I just want to watch something that'll make me feel good. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Great performances. performances. And Monterey Jazz Festival, they also, there is a movie for that too, which we we're We're going to watch that next. Yeah. Um, I watched, uh, I rewatched Love and Basketball, which is a Omar Epps, uh, Sana Lathan, uh, romantic movie. I'm trying to, I, I have like a real, um, I, I don't know a lot of rom-coms and this right. is not a, necessarily a rom-com. It's more of a rom-drom. Um, is that so it's a rom. It's a rom. Uh, but it's so good and it's so romantic and it has such a great usage, uh, of Kate Bush's This Woman's Work, which is a great song all the way around. It's used wonderfully in a couple of different things, especially in this movie. It's just, um, it's so romantic and it's so lovely and it's got so much good family stuff in it. Um, so that's a movie I watched that I I would highly recommend if you've did never seen Did we talk about Boomerang already on this? I think we talked okay, about Boomerang. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, another great we watched Although, an, yeah, another cool. surreal movie. We've been trying to sort of expand them. Uh, Fantastic Planet. Which is an animated movie from the 70s French. We've talked about how there's like this French science fiction thing that we don't really, we see it every now and then, but there's a whole like language and visual mm-hmm. style and world that isn't really part of a mainstream for us. Mm-hmm. That for the, Fantastic Planet is really from that. There's like a lot of surreal stuff. The imagery is specific. Um, this is a famous animated movie we'd never seen. We watched it. Whew. I've seen images from it clearly because I feel like I've seen people wearing t-shirts of it. It's right. Really, it's so cool looking. Yeah. It is bonanas. It is bow motherfucking nanas. It's um I didn't realize it's like a traditional story. Yeah. Like it's not just crazy visuals. There's a story, there's this it's a, a, a species of big people and they get species a little human pet and the humans are very small and then there's humans are gonna rebel. I mean it's a lot happens. I love it big and small. And it's only like 70 minutes long. That's it's right. short. It's, yeah. it's a short one. How did we get that one? What was it was it on, on uh, HBO, HBO Max. Max. Okay. We went through and we're made a list We're not sponsored by everything. them at all. I don't know why we're like no. promoting them so much, but Well, we there. were like, you know, we're in, we're in quarantine. We're in the weird. So we're like, oh, a new thing. Let's devour <laughs> it. Uh, Fantastic Planet, highly recommended. The movie that I mentioned really quickly that I watched yesterday yes. is a... So, you know, when I was in my 20s, I watched a lot of like movies by like the great artists you know and then i felt like recently uh, were you having a pretentious time i don't like the word pretentious so (laughs) i guess yes no one pretentious does (laughs) (laughs) i'll tell you seriously i don't like the word pretentious because it doesn't mean anything i really don't think it means anything anyway i think it's what it's anyway (laughs) (laughs) is it a construct what is more pretentious than someone saying pretentious doesn't mean anything I understand. I wasn't going to say that. I am stuck in a hole and there's no way out of this. (laughs) On the record, let me just say, don't like the word pretentious. Gotcha. So this movie, uh, there's a filmmaker, Russian filmmaker named Andrei Tarkovsky, whose name is sort of, you know, bandied about with Godard and all these sort of great filmmakers. I'd never seen anything by Tarkovsky. And there were two movies that I really wanted to see. There's a movie called Solaris, which uh, George Clooney remade many years later. And I, oh, and I like the remake. Okay, I see. And then there's a movie that I heard about a lot called Stalker. And, and you're saying S-T-A-L-K-E-R. Yeah, like someone who stalks. Stalker. It's from like 79. You could also be a stalker, like you stalk things. Sure. Well, so it's have, okay. it's a movie that I'd sort of... So yesterday morning I woke up, I told you I was feeling weird. So I asked Twitter, I was like, I need to see like a heady sci-fi movie. That's what I'm feeling like 2001 vibes, not like Independence Day vibes, which I also love. I wanted heady sci-fi. Stalker came up, I was like, oh, I should see that movie. 
Uh, it's on the Criterion channel, which we have a two-week, I got a free two-week thing because everybody does, can. I watched this movie. I saw it. It was like two hours and 40 minutes long. Mm-hmm. I was like, here we go. This movie blew me away. And it's not pretentious. It, it, and it, the time flew by. It's not pretentious? No. <laughs> it's not pretentious. <laughs> it's sort of a meditative, <laughs> uh, introspective it's a, tone poem. A tone poem? It's a tone poem. I love a tone poem. It's a tone poem. <laughs> um, it's a movie about in the future or the past. I don't know what it is. But something crashed somewhere. They thought it was a UFO or a meteorite, whatever, whatever it is. And the, the perimeter around it, there's an army won't let anybody in. And there's a guy who who's the stalker and his job is to smuggle people in there. Because in there, there is a room where if you go, your deepest desires come true. This sounds a little bit like the movie Annihilation. It's a lot like Annihilation. I love Annihilation. When I saw this, I was like, obviously, this was a big influence on Annihilation. Not just that. It also reminds me of like Before Sunset, because it's sort of people having kind of philosophical conversations mm. as they're going through. Uh, it reminds me a lot of My Dinner with Andre, which is a movie I want to rewatch recently, because it's the stalker guy. And there's a guy who's a professor and there's a guy who's a writer. And they just go by professor and writer. He doesn't want to use their real names because he's like, we got to be safe. And so they have these conversations, right? Where the, 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 the writer is like poetry and art. That's why humans exist. That's the most important thing. And the, the professor is like, well, what about people who are starving? What about medicine? I mean, that's the important stuff. Nobody wants poetry if they're starving to death. So those conversations are happening as they're doing it. Uh, what makes us human? Why is existence? That kind of stuff. What's great about this movie, on top of everything else, it looks stunning, it looks beautiful, is that I I don't know why I thought that there is a real story to it. There's an actual narrative. There's like dramatic arcs for all the characters. Sometimes these movies you watch and it really is a tone poem. Mm-hmm. This is not. This is a real story. It's absolutely beautiful. There's a 10-minute sequence in it that happens in a tunnel that is my new favorite sequence of all time. Absolutely beautiful movie. Utterly blew me away. But you have to have an appetite for that kind of stuff. That is true. If you're not in the mood for that kind of thing and then you put that on, you're like, right. absolutely not. The other <clears> movie, <throat> well, we should talk about another one, movie you saw together and then I'll talk about one other one that I saw. Men in Black, own. you mean? We saw Men in Black. We rewatched Men in Black. Woo! Is yeah. it good? Oh, uh, my God. What an imaginative, beautiful, uh, truly original movie kind of just a stellar performances by Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Right. Now when I think back on it, Will Smith feels like, you know, obviously he that's a, that's a good choice. Tommy Lee Jones is the curveball choice because he's a serious actor. But wasn't it that it was going to be Tommy Lee Jones and someone else? I, th- I remember reading some story. Oh, I don't also, know. Vincent D'Onofrio turns in the performance of a career. Do you know how often I'm trying to squeeze Edgar suit into every single script I write? It's so good. I'm always trying to put an Edgar suit in because... E- Edgar suit. Eggersuit. Um, that performance is truly unhinged and is accomplished with makeup and performance. Right. It's like we watched um, we we watched all of me. Well, uh, I watched part of me, all of you. Uh, I, you to- watched part of me. I watched all of me. Um, Steve Martin and it's uh, and Lily Tomlin and Lily Tomlin and it's Steve Martin gets Lily Tomlin's soul inside him. So it's like the right side is Lily Tomlin, the left side is Steve Martin. You know these real basic concept movies that we. Have. It's well, I realized that the uh, we we found out that it's based on a book titled Me Too T W O, and I was like, that's a great title. Yeah, it's, well, unfortunately, than all that's of me. been that's been uh, co opted. Well. Lily Tomlin is amazing in it, as yeah. always. So funny. Uh, Steve Martin's performance in that is a special effect. 
the way he's able to have two different people in his body, it's unreal. Nobody else it's could have really done it. It's do. yeah. a special effect. And that's how Vincent D'Onofrio mm-hmm. is in Men in Black. Obviously, he's got makeup on, but his performance, it's a special effect. It's unbelievable. Yeah. It's really fun to see. It, it kind of makes the movie so special. A lot of, in Men in Black, the um, practical effects make that movie quite special, I think. Um, and um, the song, Men in Black. Yeah, makes, it, it, the, makes this, the movie special. Sometimes every now and then, you know, people are always trying to make new franchises. And then when you see one that became a franchise, you're like, it oh. feels like it's been around forever. Yeah. Like Ghostbusters or Men in Black, which are quite similar. Um, you're like, oh, I, there was a time when there wasn't Men in Black and then there was Men That's in Black. That's true. It does kind of feel like all of these properties have been around forever. They just no. got dug out of the earth somewhere. And we're like, here we go. This no. is like a... Um, yeah, Men in Black is a very, very so, special So, so, so fun. I don't know the um, sequels well enough to comment on any of those, but I love Ghostbusters too, and I'm not going to apologize. I love Ghostbusters too as well. And I think the animated Ghostbusters show is, it's a home run. It used to be available on um, Netflix and it just went off and I don't know where to watch it, but that was like my, before, it was like my lunch show where yeah. mm-hmm. I would work in the mornings and then as I would eat lunch, I would watch something. I'd watch an episode of The Real Ghostbusters. It's a great show. Like very. While we're on the subject of Aliens, let's go on to the next movie that we just watched. The Vast of Night. It's a low-budget movie. just came out on Amazon Prime. So Correct. if you have Prime, you can watch this for mm-hmm. free. Um, yeah, it is a, it's a very low-budget movie. It's shot very well. And it's uh, set in the 50s yeah. and about... It's got an alien thing. UFO thing. Yep, that's all you need to What's know. great about this movie is, first of all, the two leads are absolutely unbelievable. Absolutely. I've never seen either of them. It's a guy who's older and a girl who's like 15, 16. They are great together. They are great individually. These are great, like, lived in. They're barely performances. They're like real people, mm-hmm. but they're also really fun. They're, they're great together. And, you know, a lot of these, I feel like indie movies, low-budget movies, the way they're shot, there's not a lot of care paid to them. This movie is shot so beautifully in a way that doesn't call attention to itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, really but, long tracking shots. There's like, like also super long takes in general. 10-minute long takes and stuff. one 10-minute long take in the, on just the young woman. Yeah. On just the young woman's yeah. face. And, it, you know, all this mm-hmm. makes it sound like arty. It's not. It's it truly is. not. Fun. It's just a fun movie, yeah. It's so good. Vast of Night blew me away, blew us away. We we were like talking about it days later. I'm still thinking about it. Yeah. Every second of the day. I also have been reading uh, The Godfather Notebook, um, which is, uh, what's the same? <laughs> Francis Ford Coppola. <laughs> Whoopsie. Um, he, his process of filmmaking, especially if he's adapting, is that he takes the book, the source material, literally cuts out the pages and then pastes them into a larger notebook. And then he just writes notes all around them. And then he puts together what each scene should do, why each scene is important. And uh, I've just been reading it as a screenwriter, but it's also just a really, it's kind of an entertaining read and it's a cool peek. And I'm not one of these people who's like, I love to learn the craft from the masters. But uh, I think it's a very cool peek into how his brain works. And uh, I've been really enjoying it. And I'm not like a massive Godfather fan no, overall. You, yeah. You've been telling me like tidbits from it and I'm it's like, so wow, good. that sounds yeah. amazing. And the last movie I uh, want to mention is once another thing I watched on my own uh, is a movie called Chunking Express by a director called Wong Kar Wai. Um, this is another one of the greats. I, um, people that I'm good friends with whose uh, taste in movies I really, really trust are like huge Wong Kar Wai fans. So I was like, I want to watch like what's the best starting point? And they said uh, Chunking Express. And uh, it's... Man, that movie is, 
again, a movie really blew me away at the end. I was absolutely moved. Like, you know, those, um, you know, I'm a sucker for a great ending. We talk about endings all the time. Uh, This has one of those endings. This is one of those endings, like to me, like up there with Before Sunset or Kramer versus Kramer or Monster Sink, which is a great one. Or uh, we just watched um, Portrait of a Lady on Fire is a great Mm -hmm. ending. Those like great endings. This is one of those great endings. Um, if you watch this movie, know that it's very non-traditional in its structure. It does some things that are that you sort of. I feel like I need to rewatch it because there's some stuff that happens in it that feels you sort of pick up on some things that are happening. It's it's a very simple story. It's it's really just a love story. Love story. It's not, but but there's like repeating patterns that happen in it, and I want to want to rewatch it. But uh, that's the other one I watched that sort of blew me away. Um, And uh, We're Here, the show that I've been really enjoying on HBO is over and we'll be coming back for a second season. And interestingly, it's a show where they travel to different towns and put on a drag show with kind of uh, queer people in that each community. They got cut off from filming four days into filming the final episode because of coronavirus. So they... um, took the hosts uh, who are Eureka O'Hara, Bob the Drag Queen, and Shangela, and the three of them just talked about their journeys of like coming out and becoming drag queens. And it oddly made for a, an incredibly emotional episode, even though it was all done from like their individual homes where they were just kind of talking into a camera. Because it's interesting, you kind of become fans of people and you know basics of their story, but you kind of don't fully understand where they're all coming from. So I'm I'm so happy it's getting a, a second season. It's been such a bright spot and it's not always a happy show um but it is has been such a hopeful lovely kind of show for me to watch i'm very go and watch it i i would say it's it's not it's not a show that is uh always easy to watch and it's not a show that's always difficult to watch but it is always kind of a delight uh to watch and there's a lot of drag performances in it which is always fun to watch too um have not started yet watching i made i think it's called i may destroy you Oh, something like that. Yeah. Mika- uh, Michaela Cole's show, Coel's show. Is it Coel or Cole? Actually, I'm not sure. I think sure. it is Coel. Let me see. Um, who did Chewing Gum, uh, which is a show on Netflix that is absolutely, truly Ooh. hilarious and amazing. Um, but this new show she has on HBO, which is called... Oh, my God. Why can't... I May Destroy You. I May Destroy You. Great. Um, have not started watching that yet, but I'm very excited uh, to watch that. So I would I would recommend those of you who listen to the show, watch that show. We'll watch it too. And we'll all think about it together. Great. Um, let's take another break, perhaps. We will be else? right back. We'll be right back. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We're a new show breaking down the anime and pop culture news you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend that I don't right (laughs) now. Hold it in, hold on. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) And we agree on some things, but not on everything. Oof. I remember, what was that? (laughs) Say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. Listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. And watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. If you're looking for a smoking gun, I can absolutely guarantee you, you will not find it. In October 2001, a series of letters filled with a deadly powder called anthrax were dropped into the U.S. mail system. What started as an unprecedented case turned into an unsettling mystery. 
Who sent these deadly letters and why? From Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment, I'm Josh Dean, and this is Cover Up Season 4, The Anthrax Threat, available now. And we are back. Should we discuss some wonderful letters we've been getting? Let's do some letters. First of all, I want to say we've gotten a lot of letters about people watching Lovebirds and enjoying it. So yes. thank you. There was a great one I got where people had a socially distant outdoor screening of it. And they sent pictures of like a big screen and and um, food set up and people like sitting far away from each other watching this movie. It was great. Oh, that's beautiful. beautiful. You didn't even show me that. Excuse me. Always show me that. Okay. I love it. Sorry. Um, I, it's a great movie. I'm really glad that people are enjoying it as much as they are. Um, first question from Melissa. Hi, guys. I'm genuinely curious. When you were walking, what makes a cool stick cool? This isn't, I thank you finally for someone <laughs> asking the important questions. Um, here's what makes a cool stick cool. It's got to be. It's going to be. Bull- this is going to be. No, watch, uh, watch I- out for a bun- bunch of bullshit coming at you. <laughs> It's got to be about femur length. Wow. That is way more specific than I thought you were going to go. And it needs to be just like a certain pleasing, almost magic wandish shape. That is kind of important to me. Femur length? Femur length. Sometimes I hold it up to make sure. Um, And it doesn't need to have a lot of twists and turns. I like it to be fairly straight, but have a little bit of character. I do know that you like a straight stick. I like a straight stick. With a little bit of character. If you're going to find a stick on uh, on the ground, you're not going to find one that's too straight. Yeah, that's right. Problem is not not enough character. Nature does not. Yeah, that's right. Um, but that's what makes a cool stick cool. That's a very important question, and I'm glad I got to answer Femur that. length. Femur length. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going to read this one next from Chelsea. Okay. Uh, from Chelsea. Recently, I've had a very difficult time maintaining a positive attitude at work. I work at a grocery store in Texas. I do a lot of things that require customer interaction. Something to know about Texas this is Chelsea's words, most folks don't like being told what to do. Masks are not required here. As a result, we get a mix of both mask and no mask folks, but we as employees are required to have them. I don't know why, but many customers feel the need to bombard me and other workers with their very strong opinions on COVID. I'm often told that I should not wear a mask because I'm breathing in CO2 and poisoning myself, or that COVID is actually a biological weapon released on purpose, or Those kids aren't wearing masks. I need to speak to your manager and I want them kicked out of the store immediately. It is exhausting. It feels like people just walk in the store and vomit all of their fears and negativity right into my head. I just wish they would respectfully get their groceries and leave. Wow, that's a good way to put it. I am noticing that it puts me in a very bad mood very quickly, like a switch. And I don't know how to stop it or how to overcome the angry resentment I get from these interactions. (laughs) Sorry. Um, in the past, I've been able to empathize by thinking about how upset and scared they probably are and are un- an understanding that would help me let go, but I'm caring less and less, and that's what really upsets me. I don't want to let the situation change me like that. Any suggestions? I think I am crying because fucking leave grocery store employees alone. Just fucking leave them alone. Are you kidding me, you stupid piece of shit? I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> going I should write a thing called the end of empathy because this is where mine ends. <laughs> I am, I just am imagining Chelsea, who is doing her best to be empathetic of the people coming in and doing her best to make a living and to earn money and to help people and is having to have everybody's fears and anxieties vomited into her head. It's not fair. It's not fair. Right. It's so not fair. 
Um, and I think this whole thing is just getting worse. <clears throat> I'm trying to get my voice back to normal. I recognize that it's like in a weird high place. Woo, did not expect this. Chelsea. Wow, well, you found you. a receptacle. <laughs> I see. I'm doing it too. No, but not in a bad way. It's okay. I just call them pieces of shit. <laughs> sure. At least you didn't tell them to go fuck yourselves. Last oh, episode. Last episode. Get it out. <laughs> Here we are with me rationalizing why I'm doing what I'm doing and no, not. No, no, but anyway, honey. Um, I do think um, g- good on you for trying so hard to stay positive in all this. I do think as a person who's been yelled at quite a bit in her professional line of work th- by people who I understand their pain sometimes, sometimes I don't, whatever. As a therapist, people get very angry with you a lot. And we can, we're always like, oh, they're projecting. And they need, they're needing to focus on themselves. But also people are angry. People have a right to be angry, uh, whether or not their anger is justified. So do your best just to hear it as like Charlie Brown's teacher. That is my only real advice is to let it roll off of you the absolute best you can to put up a small wall around yourself. Right. And hear, wah, 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 wah. okay, thank you for telling me. Okay, thank you for telling me. Um, and I do wish people would not treat you this way. The one we've one thing we've talked about personally that we haven't talked about this mm-hmm. podcast is the idea of having a temporary armor that you can put up and take down. But yes. you don't want a permanent wall because you want to be able to be vulnerable, but you don't want to be fully open where people who don't have a right to get inside you get inside you. So this idea of having a temporary armor, you can even visualize like I'm putting on this thing for right now and this is the thing that's going to let 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 stuff bounce off me. Yeah. And then when you leave, you can take that thing off and you can visualize taking it off. I have, uh, when I was a therapist, I would do a, like a very specific hand washing ritual at the end of a day to be like, and this is me washing off, um, not people's problems as much as like what I need to do to protect myself to still be a good exactly. helper, which is what you are, Chelsea. You're a helper. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And, but this is not a job where you need to be completely open and oh, a, yeah, allow not. yourself to be affected. So, and again, it's easier said than done. I'm saying this stuff. You're there interacting with people who are in a awful place. Um, it's not easy. Of yeah. course it's not easy, but I think the attempt, the attempt is to just try and, you just have to a little bit switch off parts of yourself. And I ha- have the people, I think I've tweeted this sometime in the last week or two, have people that you can feel vulnerable around. I think that's been, with all the stuff that's been happening in the last couple of weeks, I um, I have a couple of friends who are, uh, how do I put this, are okay being vulnerable with me and have like come to me and kind of been venting to me about stuff that they're frustrated about. And... It's just, it's a joy to have, it's a joy when people trust you to be vulnerable with you. It can sometimes feel like a chore, but it's always a joy. It's always a beautiful thing. And have that. Everybody deserves that. I think especially now when people are so frustrated and so angry and so worked up and you, a lot of us are finding, a lot of people are finding that they're having to wear their armor more often than they should be. And like armor starts chafing. It gets really heavy. Have the people in your life or if it's not even a person, have the animal in your life that you can take off your armor around and identify that. The way that um, Darby has the thing of like, identify what your resources are, identify what you, some of your resources are where you feel comfortable without armor. And we should all know that about ourselves. We should all know who we feel okay to be armorless around. And we should be seeking those people out. We're not draining them because that that's not what this is. That's not what this is about. Like this, we need to be able to go to people. And I think sometimes I think, oh, I'm going to be bothering them if I go to them with how like bummed out I am with this. But that's not what it is. And I have only found that I feel my capacity to care only increases 
when I care. Like it, it doesn't go down, it goes up or at least stays the same. And then there are some days when it doesn't. And some days you're like, fuck this, I can't do this either. And then that's okay. You take that day too. But I think, again, just like anything else, realizing that there is no one way for any of this to go, that some days you're going to reach out to people. Some days you're going to be the person people reach out to. Some days you're going to need to wear armor. Some days you can take it off. Some days your backpack's really fucking heavy. Some days you're wearing two. Some days you're not wearing any. Um, But don't be mean to people who are working really hard in the midst of all of this, especially here in Los Angeles when we had curfews and grocery store employees were having to leave after curfew to get home. My God, that was so poorly, (sighs) poorly thought out. It was very poorly thought out. So um, I'm trying not to get frustrated with that. Let's see if we can do a note. It's so funny. I grew up in Karachi and we would have curfews all the time. So when it happened here, I was just like, oh, yep, this thing again. And everyone else was like, how dare we have curfews? I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess it is weird. How often? Yeah. A few times a year, there'd be a curfew. Like it was the most exciting because you didn't have to go to school. (laughs) What a child you were. I was actually you a were, child. That's what I'm saying. You were like, I don't get yeah, that. I don't have to go to school. curfews. And why yeah. would there be curfews? Just curious. Because there would be like violence between political parties. Gotcha. Um, okay. This one's from Griffin. I, I am a 20 white. I am a white 22 year old cisgendered woman. And I 100% have been taking a deep dive inward to figure out how to be actively anti-racist. My issue is that it is so heavy and so hard to learn about how black and brown people have been fucked over by the system. I can't stay off Twitter, even though it would be better for me. Kumail, you might know the feeling, she says in parentheses. My instinct (laughs) is to go protest, but we're in the middle of a pandemic and I have an at-risk people in my family and I'm just so scared and I feel like I've been backed into a corner. You haven't, I promise. And also, even if you have, this is what many people have been feeling for decades. I'll continue. Um, Griffin says, Emily, I've never been to therapy before, but I have an idea that it'll help me work through this pit in my stomach, but I don't really know what I would talk about. Is that dumb? Saying, hi, I'm overwhelmed and suffering through the recent world events sounds stupid because everyone is. That is the end of the letter. What I will say to you is that is exactly what therapy is for. Don't feel dumb. Don't feel dumb. I swear to you. And therapists are all dealing with this too because everybody is. Yeah. This is a perfect reason to go to therapy. This is an absolutely wonderful reason to seek out therapy. Therapy isn't for a, a massive structural like tragedy in your own personal life. It's not. It's for anything. It's for literally anything. So let me reassure you, Griffin, it's perfectly okay for you to go to therapy for any reason. Um, and also, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, it is just a little piece of magic that even I've had clients who have been like, I don't really know why I'm here. I don't really have a reason to be here, especially if they're court ordered, but then stuff will just, you'll just hear little, uh, motifs and what they're talking about. And that's really all a therapist's job is, is to be like, you know, you've mentioned in four different little anecdotes that you feel slighted or that you feel unloved. So that's interesting. It is our, our souls are desperately wanting uh, to be recognized, to be seen, to be understood, and to be heard. All of our souls are. And your soul, even if all of your brains are trying to stop it from happening, your soul will continue to push it out as best it can, no matter how much your brain tries to shut it down. Um, that's what's beautiful about therapy. I've had the most resistant clients. I've had court-ordered clients. I've had um, clients who actively hate me. And somehow, something always manages to come out of it that is... I, I hope useful. I'm sure some of them haven't been, but so go to therapy. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Yeah. Especially now you that's, can do Zoom therapy, which yeah, is great. Yeah. That's great. 
Um, it's also, you know, yeah, it's it's actually easy to do Zoom therapy. You don't have to drive and that feeling of like, oh, you know, it just, just takes the pressure off yeah, a little bit. it does a little right. bit. Yeah. Uh, although then you have to like look up and see that therapist's face the whole time. Yeah. That's weird. Nowhere else to look. Oof. You know what they should have? It should be a full body, full body Zoom with the whole room. FBZ? <laughs> I want it to be that. It's crazy that your <laughs> plan for being too visible on Zoom is to make you even more, more parts of you visible. I, I ain't putting it, on pants. I think it should be, somehow I would feel more comfortable if when I looked up, I didn't just see like, <gasps> Oh, you want VR face. Zoom. You no, want no, VR, no. so you look I around. Guess that's right. Look the other way. Look I want to be able to uh, see, I want to be able to look and see their carpet, the therapist carpet. I want to be able to see like a, the painting they have Why don't you them. look at your carpet and the painting I've you have that. up? I've seen that. I've seen that. I've seen new stuff. You don't actually want to check out the carpet. Ugh. I just want somewhere else to look that it, it's not just a person's face staring back at you the whole I time. I think we have to take the pressure off of making eye contact or looking at the face at Zoom all the time. I just did. I'm, the other trick is mm. look into the camera. Oh, I, that's that feels. They feel like they're you're looking at them, <laughs> and it's a more of a connection. But I'm, it's a lie. I moderated a Q and A for uh, new filmmakers LA, this like organization over the weekend, and I didn't realize that all the people that were um, watching the Q and A, quote unquote, over Zoom, that they were all visible too. Like until I got in the room, and then it's like <laughs> just faces. <laughs> Me and the myself and the filmmaker and the lead actress were speaking, and as we were talking, you just see like. <laughs> Like dozens of faces just like, (laughs) and they were all wonderful, but I was like, I wish I couldn't see your faces right now because it's making me feel self-conscious. Okay. What else should we read? A lot of the notes were slight downers, but it's basically uh, a lot of people sort of talking about um, how do you, how how do you handle the world opening back up and, um, and that kind of stuff. And, we don't know. We don't Guys, know. We don't I mean, know. just be as careful as you can. I don't know. I feel honestly, since this, you know, when the pandemic started, the 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 back directive, in nineteen eighty seven. Back in nineteen eighty seven, the, the director was very clear: stay at home, don't leave the house. Great. Now we're in this weird gray zone. I think we all have to use our own judgment. And then it's also weird to go back into the world and see people you haven't seen. There might be an adjustment period where you're suddenly seeing people. Again, I'm not advocating seeing people. We're not going to be seeing people. We'll revisit in a couple of weeks. Um, but if you are seeing people, there's going to be it's going to be a little bit weird for a little while, right? Yeah, I imagine that the people that have gone from quarantining to then protests that had to be so overwhelming. Oh my god! Can you imagine the, imagine- it's from like a fast to like. Of a massive feast of yeah, days. it's like an ice cream buffet. So much overstimulation. Yeah. Um, I thought this was an interesting question, and I, I wanted to ask you. Uh, this is from Margot. Uh oh. I recently realized that I have huge tendencies to be codependent and to see myself as a victim. Not to mention other things like being passive aggressive and manipulative. What did you want to ask? No, me? no, no. You'll see. I just think it's an interesting question. While rewatching some of my favorite shows during the weirds, I have noticed that some of the characters are, some of those behaviors are learned from TV and books. Wow. Including some based on characters that I consider to be my heroes and role models. Uh huh. They were presented to be strong and having agency over their lives when in fact they were controlling and didn't care or listen to anybody else's wow. wishes. Wow. There is no story and no drama unless people behave in pathological ways. I know that you guys have the unique combination of therapy and pop culture backgrounds. Could you recommend some content that actually has healthy characters? I really appreciate the good place. Uh, I think that for the most part, you can track their motivations as clear without the plotting and manipulation that you sometimes see, I guess, mostly in women on TV. But I struggle to find many more examples. So an actual list with this key in mind would be lovely. 
Um, I'm not asking if you have any recommendations. I'm just asking how you feel about that. I think that that's a very good observation she yeah. made. Uh, we've, you and I have talked about, as someone who, you know, I grew up massive fan of rom- romantic comedies. You weren't as much of a hu- huge fan. So many of my thoughts and patterns about how I thought love should become from romantic comedies, and those, I think, ultimately, by and large, have been are sort of destructive in the bit. sense of the idea of like love at first sight, soulmates, that kind of stuff. It's very rare that romantic comedies actually talk about the work that goes into keeping a relationship growing, that a relationship is never done, that it's constantly evolving. As you evolve and grow, the relationship must evolve and grow. So my thoughts on certainly the crushes I had on girls back then, it's all based on this love at first sight kind of thing. So I completely empathize with yeah. her. And I realized that a lot of the way I saw the world, as Someone who was like obsessed with movies and TV shows sort of came from that, you know, and the idea of, for instance, like someone like Fox Mulder, X-Files is one of my favorite shows. David Duchovny plays him. People who don't know. He's a guy who's misunderstood. The world doesn't understand him. He's on his own. You know, in some ways he's lonely. He's got this like connection with Scully. But even that is sort of back and forth. That's not a healthy way to be. That's not a healthy role model. He's not yeah. in a society. You have to. That's not a healthy role model. And sometimes people think, you know, his he has a devotion to the truth. In relationships, the truth doesn't matter as much as you think it does. What matters is. Um, Excuse me. <laughs> I just mean like if I'm arguing with you, yes. and oh, I think yes. I'm right about right. something. The person who's yes, I. Uh, sometimes it's okay for me to be like, you know what, this is not that important to me. I'll let it go. I'm your sorry. Balance. You're right. Even if I don't truly feel like that. Oh, boy. No, but I mean... No, but I mean, like, how many times have you told me that I'm right? And now that I'm like, oh... How many times have I told you I'm right? You're right. Sorry. That number is the number of times. (laughs) That number is the number of times. (laughs) (laughs) I also... The Freudian slip of Of me saying I'm right instead of you. I caught that. But I just mean, you know, someone like Fox Mulder would never do that, right? He would never back down from that. He believes what he believes, and he's single-minded in his purpose. And to him, that truth is all that matters. Right. Whereas in real life, that that sort of truth doesn't really matter. Like if we're arguing, I'm like, oh, this is more important to her. I'll be like, okay, that's fine. And you do the same for me. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just like, it, it doesn't matter who's right. Yeah. What matters is that we get along and love each other. And so certainly, Which is yeah. Which very exciting television. It's certainly not exciting television yeah. where things build up and they're like, you know what? You're right. You're right. Let's it's agree fine. to disagree. Let's just get some I love ice cream. you. Yeah. yeah. You want to make pancakes? <laughs> oh, one thing I want to mention we evolved from beginning to here. In the first episode, we talked about how I'd never made pancakes. You're very good at making pancakes now. In these three months, what a great full what a circle skill. thing. What this a is skill. like in the beginning of uh, Kramer versus Kramer, it's like it shows like he's like a single parent now. He can't make French toast. It's very hard. And then at the end of the movie, he's like flawlessly making French toast. So we're at the end of the movie. <laughs> we're at the end of this movie for of, of the movie movie that is this podcast yeah and i've i crush i am really good at pancakes now i made you four perfect pancakes yesterday it was like i made them with a compass they were circular they were beautiful and perfect every color was perfect on it yeah i'm gonna make some pancakes right after this sounds great um tomorrow though i would say uh the one line from this there is no there's just no story and no drama unless people behave in pathological ways that's exactly right. You that think is, so? That, no, that's what TV and movies are. Like, <laughs> I, I'm not saying everybody's pathological, but just I think I, it's my personal opinion that no one in a movie or a television show should be a Euro model. Well, they need to. They always have to be flawed and have something exactly. to learn. They have to I grow. Don't, I don't mind a flaw, but I do think uh, I think 
when you're watching a TV show or a movie, you are, as we have talked about for Little America, as we talked about for The Big Sick, everybody's life has a billion different stories in it. But when you're telling a story, you have to pick one and go. So you're never getting the full picture of a fictional character, of anyone. You're never getting Fox Mulder's full story if you were a real person. So therefore, you can't really look up to them because they're it's not a full picture no and you can maybe fill it in with other stuff like maybe fox Mulder's got like a charity he works with they, they never show on the show he doesn't certainly fit doesn't in. yeah but exactly but um and i think also we romanticize characters that are unlike us that are in some ways correct and i think part of what you learn if we're screenwriting stuff is like you take a care a protagonist you give them a flaw and you have them pursue that, like, you have them act out of that flaw in a way that fucks everything up in a movie. Sure. And then then you go have them figure out how to fix it. Right. That's just kind of not how life works. No. And in the, in the movie, whatever their flaw is, that when they finally see it and do something about it, that happens towards the end of yeah. the movie. So they are fucked up more for, for a most much of the long, movie. Yeah. For most of the movie. That's what's enjoyable to watch. And what's interesting about TV shows, especially sitcoms, they are literally learning the same lessons over and over. That's part of what a television show is about. Generally, If yeah. they learned it and moved on, there wouldn't... There wouldn't, wouldn't be a show. It wouldn't be a show. And as people, as people who write on television that is what it is designed to do it's designed to be this forever thing that they're circling that they never get off of yeah carousel of mistakes so i find it uh i would say it's very entertaining to watch but i would say uh as far as role models i don't know that i don't know that any one person or any one character should ever be a role model because i think everybody everybody every the characters are never sketched out like full people because they can't be right and every role person it's going to fuck up in a way that disappoints I think, you. I, th- I don't think, for me at least, the goal is not to be like someone else. It's to be the be- a better version of myself. <laughs> That's the, as, as pretentious as that sounds. <laughs> I also think I, I take... Or um, cliche, actually. Cliche is a good... Ooh, that's a, even more insulting. Yeah. So cliche. It's a little cliche, but it's, it's true. Cliche. Um, I find that for, for me personally, I don't have any one role model, but I have qualities of many people that are in my life that I really admire and would like to aspire to be more like them. And that person might be kind of a scumbag otherwise, but have like this one great quality. Right. But I think if you set your sights on having a role model be a fictional character, it's never you're never going to feel like you're right, um, right, which is disappointing for you. And if you set it as a real person... That is in your life, or a real person who's famous. That person's definitely going to fuck up. Right, and but the, the 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 issue is, you're not like deciding when you're watching a movie or oh, this person. I'm going to pattern my life after this person. It's not ha- happening consciously. It's happening subconsciously. So these things are like imposing the patterns on you yeah. in a way that uh, you're not aware of. That's true. It, it, she, this person, realized later that this is what was happening. Yeah. Um. And so, so I just think sort of. It's hard, but be aware of that yeah. and be, be you know, what helps us is because we're forever analyzing movies and TV shows and characters. Like oh, we, it's, it's really obnoxious to we watch We are the with worst. Yeah. We only do it with each other. We, we only do it with each other, but we're like, oh, this is this, yeah. oh, this is this, yeah. second plot point, this stuff. Yeah. Oh, this character is this. You've gotten so good at predicting exactly what's going to happen in movies and TV shows. It's great. Um, and so so for us, we're hyper aware of that stuff, but but maybe sort of analyzing that character could be a a good thing yeah i think if you're looking for role models don't look don't look i would say catch what you're doing when you're patterning yourself after tv like don draper um not a good role model john ham has said please don't 
Don Draper's a monster. Why would you ever want to be like him? Right. And he's right. Uh, Kenny, that's the guy you want to be like. That's what he said. What John Hanson. Kenny Cosgrove. You want to be like Kenny Cosgrove. Yeah. That's. But Kenny Cosgrove is not cool. It's not cool and exciting. It's not sexy. You don't want to watch a show about Kenny Cosgrove. I mean, I would, but still, you know. Right. Uh, and that's kind of the point. Like TV is supposed to be a little bit of a pushing of the boundary. So I would say if you catch yourself patterning yourself after characters, take a look at that and and find no one person no one person should be your role model because that's just not um, right. feasible um yeah i want to read one last thing that'll probably make me cry but i've been meaning to read it for quite some time are you ready kamel <clears throat> ready i don't know this is from carly k <clears throat> Uh, Carly Kay, it was a longer email, and she said, uh, finally, here's my reason, other reason for emailing. I am a behavior clinician who works with people with special needs. Emily was referring to a mourning period, this was many episodes ago, that families of the members of the LGBTQ community experience, and it seemed like the same feelings that I often discuss with my clients' families. There's a ton of shame around those feelings, too. They feel like they're terrible parents for feeling that way. Um, and this is, yeah, the mourning period where uh, parents of a child who comes out kind of, like, goes through the period of mourning the child that they ha- thought they knew for to or accept the child Someone who transitions, had. yeah. Yeah, any of that, yes. Um, so there's, she said there's a poem, which I've linked to. I can't say the word poem. Oh, I love it. I've been so excited. I've been waiting for weeks. Just keep going. I'm not going to say anything. I heard it. I was How not going to say, say, say the word. No, I don't Please want to. It. Please keep poem. going. Poem. Poem. <laughs> poem. Keep going. I don't know why I say Please. that. Please. No, it's but there's the a best. Poem. <laughs> which I've linked below. That's the point. That I think summarizes the phenomenon perfectly. It is called Welcome to Holland. If anything, I thought it would give you something to read and talk about for a few minutes. I also think we can all empathize with the traveler as we all face experiences that are not what we imagined they'd be. And I, this poem, <laughs> damn it. I love this piece of poetry. And feel like uh, it applies to so much of uh, the change that we're all kind of going through now. So I'm going to read it now. It's by Emily Pearl Kingsley. It's called Welcome to Holland. It's not actually poetry. It's just a short story. When you're going to have a baby, it's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy. You buy a bunch of guidebooks and you make your wonderful plans. The Colosseum, the Michelangelo David, the gondolas in Venice. You may learn some handy phrases in Italian. It's all very exciting. I'm already done. <laughs> I don't know. I know where this is going. I have not read this. I'm really still <laughs> I am a <laughs> After oh, yes, no. This is how we're going to leave you guys. After months of eager anticipation, the day finally arrives. You pack your bags and off you go. Several hours Later, later, the plane lands. The stewardess comes in and says, welcome to Holland. Holland, you say? What do you mean, Holland? I signed on for Italy. I'm supposed to be in Italy. All my life, I've dreamed of going to Italy. But there's been a change in the flight plan. They've landed in Holland, and there you must stay. The important thing is that they haven't taken you to a horrible, disgusting, filthy place full of pestilence, famine, and disease. It's just a different place. So you have to go out and buy new guidebooks. You have to learn a whole new language. You're going to meet a whole new group of people you would have never met. It is just a different place. It's maybe slower paced in Italy, less flashy than Italy. But after you've been there for a while and you catch your breath, you look around and you begin to notice that Holland has windmills. Holland has tulips. Holland even has Rembrandts. But everyone you know is busy coming and going from Italy and they're all bragging about what a wonderful time they've had there. And for the rest of your life, you will say, yeah, that was where I was supposed to go. That was what I had planned. And the pain of that loss will never, ever, ever go away. Because the loss of that dream is a very significant loss. But if you spend your life mourning the fact that you didn't get to Italy, you may never be free to enjoy the very special and the very lovely things about Holland. Okay. 
Camille's like, uh, well, welcome to Holland, everyone. Get out there and see a Rembrandt. God damn it. Why don't you go ride a windmill? Perfect. I see some fucking tulips. Um, I just think, and I've been holding on to this for weeks. We got this email weeks ago, and I have been, every week I've been like, oh, I'll read it this week. And I thought, this is all, this is it. This is the, the distillation of the entirety of this podcast, of everything, is that everything... Things are never going to turn out the way that we imagine them right. to in any regard. And that we, it's okay that we need to accept the things we cannot change and change the things we can. I mean, it's an AA saying, but it's, it's so true for everything. That's where we are now. There are some things that are no longer acceptable. We're changing those things. Will that make everything different? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, because things have always been changing. We're in Holland. We're in Holland. We're not even, I don't even know where we're at. We're somewhere else entirely. But I thought, um, what a lovely uh, piece of poetry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How do you say it? No, it doesn't matter. Poem. Um, Poem. Poem. No, Poem. it's okay. <laughs> Please don't. Poem. It'll be a great sadness when you start saying that word differently. I don't think I ever will. So much. <laughs> when you first said it, for years, I just sat on it because I was like... Say the word. What, the word... I'm not going to say it. I was like, if I... <laughs> Mentioned this to her, this great joy I derive from, from the word you say <laughs> will be gone and I don't want that. So maybe I said it like once up f- first when we first started like dating. Blessing. I was like, that's amazing. Amazing. I made I fun miss- of you for it. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was adorable. And then since then you still say it and I never bring it up because it is that. a quiet joy for me. And when you said it right now. I was just like, in my head, I was waiting for you to say it. As soon as you said it, I did not betray it on my face, but it sucks that you caught yourself. And if I could change one thing about a relationship, I would change that I never, never mentioned this to you. That's the the one thing you would change? That's, it's in the top hundreds. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, and then that you were never in a coma. That would oh, be number two. No. No, 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 no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. I want to say that this whole thing has been, you know, I was, it's been... It's been obviously a very complicated time and it's going to continue to be a complicated time like every time. But um, I was thinking about <clears throat> us going through this together and my philosophy advisor, I was talking to her back then when I was still in college. And before she said, you even knew me. Before I knew you. And she said she knew she was going to marry the person she got married to because when they changed their tire together. And the point was... <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. What is happening? <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like it's like... When you really go through something that's supposed to be awful with someone mm-hmm. and it's not awful, mm-hmm. that's great. So I just want to say <laughs> this has been it's 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 just made me much I mean, obviously always sure, but it's been a nice thing to sort of go through this and continue to go through this with you for the foreseeable future. For the foreseeable future. Um same to you. And sir. it's been it's been and these conversations have been great. It has it has been quite lovely. And it's interesting because I find that you are definitely more, you've always, you've been more vulnerable in this than you've been in a lot of other places. You're not closed off as much as you're just kind of uh, not as, not as vulnerable. Whereas I'm like an instant meet someone vulnerable human, which is not always useful for my person either. So it's been interesting. Yeah. It's been really lovely. No, it's, uh, you know, at some point <laughs> it's just hard to, hard to keep it in. <laughs> and I think, um, yeah, let's let's all try and and uh, 
this has been beautiful for us to do. Let's, and thank you so much for those of you who have contributed in any fashion. Uh, we've gotten art. We've gotten people tweeting at us. We've gotten tons of emails. We've gotten people supporting our sponsors, which we really appreciate. Yeah, thank because, you so much for um, listening. We never wanted to do anything with this. And they like made us do like press and stuff for it, which is fine. But all we wanted uh, was to help people feel a little less weird during this time. So we hope we were able to do that for you guys. There are other podcasts out there that will uh, help you continue to adapt with where we are now. Um, there's many of them. We've mentioned a few. See, try other ones on. We're not the only game out there. We aren't. We appreciate your. Um, we appreciate all of your love for us, but we aren't the only game out there. Yeah. So, and we're not. We're not dead. No, but and the feedback has been lovely because yeah. neither of us expected this. We just made it. We hadn't. We didn't expect it to be anything. The the <laughs> the, uh, the feedback has been overwhelming and overwhelmingly po- positive. And all these emails and all the tweets and all the reviews. It's just been. It's been lovely to read, um, and so. Just want to say thank you and pick some tulips. <laughs> That's very nice. Make sure you're staying vulnerable. Make sure you're staying kind to each other. I'm, I'm seeing that both of us don't want to. We don't <laughs> We're like coming up it. with stuff to say. Like, how do you uh, end it? Because I, I love this. I know. You it's love lovely. it. We love it. That's it's the just, thing. Yeah. It's just kind of, uh, yeah. This is this has been uh, staying in with Emily and Kumail and Bagel, who is asleep. All right. On our table right now. Bye. Bye.